Mind you, this was a very large woman. She was probably, I thought she was a he, she at first when I was dealing with her the whole time because of how big she was. She was a, she was a big. Man, hopefully she was selling by the pound. <laughs> but I'm on top of her, like just trying to like side mount this woman, you know, as much as I can. And, uh, and she's like, I remember she was like pressing me off her. And yeah. So were you surprised by her strength or because yeah, when I had or... her up when I had her up against my car, she was pushing us off my car, both of us. And yeah. then she was pressing me off her. And I the only thing I was thinking, Brent, not I don't want this woman to stab me. Not I don't want to get hit by a car. Yeah. I was thinking my buddies are going to have a roast session with me. Always. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. I, and I was telling dispatch, I'm like, hey, I'm fine, but I have one resisting. So and then I heard the sirens coming and I'm like, if I don't get this woman under control, the first two are going to have their stories ready for the, when the rest of the pack gets there. That's right. That's right. You were lied to and don't let that cloud critical thinking. How many points do I have to make that don't add How up? many other people do I have to bring in this conversation that do not back up Rob's? JV team for life. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Anti-Hero Podcast, part Delta Force, part Street Cop, all podcasts. I'm your host, Tyler, owner of Refractive Wolf Apparel. And I'm Brent Tucker, owner of FRCC. And so today we're doing kind of a, a different podcast. Brent's on vacation again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Worst uh, vacation ever. <laughs> so we are. Well, every time he's out, we're just going to do these types of uh, Zooms and we're going to hit on topics that we never were going to stop talking about in the first place. So I figured today would be a good time to talk about use of force and only because I, I saw you talking with Tim about it a little bit. And it was just cool. to. It was interesting to see somebody that has done all the things you do and like you still are like, why can't this happen? And it's like only a cop would be able to tell you like the red tape bullshit of why things can't happen. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and I know, yeah, I, I try to, you know, you know, make sure everyone knows that I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy that that tries to bring special operations uh, heavily handed and in, into policing. Um, and and one of the stark differences of that is, you know, the rules of engagement and the escalation of force and the use of force. That is very different what the military, you know, works under and what our law enforcement works under. And I would say rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, as a young cop, you hate all these rules. But as you get older and you're a constitutionalist and you're a father and, you know, then you got, you know, let's, I mean, our kids are close to the same age. But, you know, when my son's 16 and driving around, I want to make sure that, you know. Right. Young, dumb 20 year old cops aren't pulling him over. And, you know, I mean, my, my, my job in, in Iraq, Afghanistan and, and Syria was never to. I shouldn't say never, but it wasn't to necessarily protect the populace, um, you know, uh, and and with law enforcement, you know, they're Americans policing other Americans. And, you know, it's it's in the motto to protect and serve. Um, and and I do believe, you know, in that motto. So I, I do believe when, you know, cops decide, you know, that it's time to to get aggressive with fellow Americans, that it it better be warranted. 
and and I will say this, obviously, I think cops, you know, do it right all the time. And, and that's and that's really where all the controversy comes in is the very, very small percentages when, you know, people think and I'll say this, I won't even say necessarily that, that cops don't do it right. Most of the time, people think that cops don't do it right. Um, but then you get to see the breakdown of something and, you're like, and you find out, well, he was absolutely justified in, in, in what he did. So it gets really muddy really quick. Yeah. And one of the things that they told us, uh, they I'm sure they tell every academy, but they at least told mine is, um, especially they hit the, the veterans hard that came out of the service was this police work is not an us versus them. So it can't be because, right. you know, yeah, that, you know, it, it turned into a Nazi regime. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, yeah, because when you said. When you earlier, when you said, you know, people see these breakdowns and, and as a cop, sometimes you're afraid when you're doing things in the moment, you're thinking, I hope that nobody gets this on camera because it doesn't look good. And then you start sometimes you'll you'll second guess yourself as to am i doing the right thing but in all reality if you're reacting and your training's taken over you're most likely doing the right thing you know it's, it's well, I, I, well i well i got a question for you then and and i agree with that statement obviously it's like it, it can never be an us versus them but in the years that you've been doing this job like i i have to assume when you see the uh you know, basically the worst of the community. I mean, you know, especially when you work nights, I mean, it's kind of who you're dealing with, right? I mean, you're not dealing with, yeah. with you know, the the law-abiding citizens and you would have no reason to interact with them. So as you continue to have to deal with, um, you know, the criminals of society, like it does have to start to feel like sometimes it's it's us versus them. It's good guys versus bad guys. Like, does that creep in after a while and you just need a reset or you're just constantly battling that to say, no, it's not us versus them. Yeah. I think that's actually a great question because a lot of cops start off as the cop that's going to change the world. wants to be an idealist, wants to, and then they learn, you know, working um, midnights in the hood. You're not really going to be able to be an idealist. So, um, and then I feel like this is a general statement, but um it happened to me and it happens to a lot of people was around a couple of years in, you start doing that. I'm a hard charge cop. I'm going to shut down crime. Right. And then that's where the us versus them bad guys, you know, mentality can come in. Like, um, you know, and, be careful how I say this, but when you work the hood, you have, I mean, it, you almost have to walk around and flex. You have to walk up to the dope boys and, and show that you're not going to back down, like walk physically walk by them and say, what's up, you know, and let them know that they're, you're not afraid of them. And then they need to move shop or, you know, take a hike and, or when it comes down to, um, if there was an altercation, if, if a guy knows that I'm not afraid of him, he might take off running rather than shoot me or try to shoot me or get in a stand, you know? So, but I feel like around five years in, I realized that it's it's people people have rights and I can't stand it when you know cops they don't violate people's rights but they're all cuz you want you want to get the bad guy and you want to get the dope right so you'll do everything within the, the law allows you right. to do and a really good cop can can make that happen but you know I 
there <laughs> I believe that if you're on the main roads, if you're mixed in with the taxpayers, you're free game. But you know, I don't really I try not to harass people. Like, you know, if they're if they're right. break if they're not like selling drugs or but they're outside of their apartment and I'm not gonna go creeping in their apartment trying to catch them slipping at their own home. You know? Well like here's here's where I, I do know, like I said, like you know, the military and, and law enforcement, it, it it breaks away and then it parallels, then it breaks away and it parallels. But here is a parallel to it. And you know, I hear it from law enforcement, you know, all the time as I go around and train law enforcement or talk to them. You know, or, you know, has to do with the relationships built through FRCC is you hear it time and time again. We dealt with this in the military where at some point you really feel like you're fighting on two fronts. You're fighting the bad guys and you're fighting your own headquarters or, you know, the people above you. That seems like they're not they they don't want to support you to to go after the bad guys. And so I think that's when people really start. I, I think that what that's what Jade's a good guy faster than anything really is, is having to to fight with the, you know, the own bad culture of, of a supervisor that won't let you do your job, who should be supporting you and make it easier to do your job. It's the exact opposite. And I think that can, can, uh, can kind of d- degrade morale faster than anything. Yeah. I had that same thing happen to me a couple months ago. Um, we we were so they're trying to clean up a certain area of town, right? And prostitution is huge there. So, um, the state came up with a new ordinance that is uh is used to fight prostitution because prostitution just in general is very hard to prove because if people don't, if both parties don't comply and they tell you the truth and you don't catch certain things. It's super right. hard. So they made it a little bit easier and you can use your training and experience and the environment that you're in and the things that they have on them, how they're dressed, the fact that they're not going in into any stores or just walking up and down the road. Um, and so I stop out with her and I tell her that she's got to ID herself and I ask for an ID and she says, no, no, I'm not giving you one. I don't have to. And, you know, I'm like, ma'am, come on. So, um, <laughs> you know, she's telling me that she doesn't have to provide ID. I explained that she's being detained for purposes of solicitation for prostitution. She's being detained. She has to identify herself. Okay. I, Brent, I was going to cut her a warning and tell her to leave, leave the area. This area is hot. It's not good anymore. But, um, so she's like, no. And she gets on the phone. Well, that's, that's a huge indicator to law enforcement that they are not going to comply when they get on the phone, when you're telling them to do something. So I go, okay, and I and I do the whole put your hands behind your back. Well, I was just gonna cuff her. Um, and then she went like this and she went to her we call them felony bags, but they're little uh right. I know you're talking about and she went straight for that. So, you know, statistically, she probably prostitutes don't typically carry guns, but they do carry some kind of blade on them. So I was I had her pinned against my car and I was like, man, please stop, please stop. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to escort you to the ground if you don't give me your hands. I'm going to have to put you on the ground. And she didn't listen. I safely escorted her to the ground. But now we're in front of my patrol car um, in the right-hand lane, and there's the center and third. This is this is Orange Blossom Trail. So, there, you know, it doesn't matter what time of night. There's still cars going. And uh, but I'm trying to keep her from – she's trying to get away. I'm just – mind you, this was a very large woman. She was probably – I thought she was a he-she at first when I was dealing with her the whole time because of how big she was. She was a, she was a big bitch. Yeah. 
Hopefully she was selling by the pound. <laughs> but I'm on top of her, like just trying to like side mount this woman, you know, as much as I can. And, uh, and she's like, I remember she was like pressing me off her. And yeah. So were you surprised by her strength or because yeah, when I had or... her up, when I had her up against my car, she was pushing us off my car, both of us. And yeah. then she was pressing me off her. And I, the only thing I was thinking, Brent, not, I don't want this woman to stab me. Not, I don't want to get hit by a car. Yeah. I was thinking my buddies are going to have a fucking roast session with me. Always. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. I, and I was telling dispatch, I'm like, Hey, I'm fine, but I have one resisting. So, and then I heard the sirens coming and I'm like, if I don't get this woman under control, the first two are going to have their stories ready for the, when the rest of the pack gets there. That's right. That's right. Um, so they show up, we put her in handcuffs. She, you know, becomes a whole problem. Take her to jail. She had a warrant for child support, which is weird because women typically don't have those, but, um, <laughs> you know, mother of the year and, uh, right. and she's just about to turn it around though. If it wasn't for you getting in the way. <laughs> She yeah, exactly. Just about to turn it around. She was walking over to her baby daddy's house to give him money. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So essentially, it all happened. Everything was good. I had to do my use of force report, you know, which we always have to do for if anybody complains of an injury. And then uh, a week later, or so not even a week later, a couple of days later, I was getting a talking to because my chain of command, not my sergeant, my sergeant and my corporal were like. You know, F that you did everything by the book. We're not, you know, we're going to defend you on this. And, but the, the Lieutenant and up had a problem with the way it looked because here's the thing. Once we were on the ground, she was screaming, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, okay, well just stop resisting. And she's like, oh, I'm right. pregnant. And I got told by the way it looked, the scope of it all. It was a white cop holding down a black woman in the roadway screaming, I'm pregnant. And they didn't like it. And it's just like, it's like you said, like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, right. was I supposed to just let her up? <laughs> right. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, well, it's, it's the perception. And well, they'll say perception is reality. No, perception is not reality. Reality is reality. And once you start, and really to me, that, that term perception is reality is basically people who, who govern or, or rule if you would not rule uh you know they manage in fear and that's just not how i'm going to live my life i'm not going to live my life scared of what people think scared of what this looks like you know what is the what is the reality it's not perception is reality reality is reality and i and i hate it when people start view you know viewing things through that lens because it's just it's 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 a good way to live scared just in my opinion yeah yeah but uh, going back to like, you know, the the perception, um, I, like I said, I don't try and go f to catch people in their own apartment complexes or stuff because I feel like that's safe. You know, you're at home. If you're smoking some weed outside, if you're drinking a 40 outside, you know, if you're in your apartment complex, you know, I, I'm not going to go mess with you. But what I will look for is people trying to break into cars because they'll go to the complex they don't live in and break right, into cars. Right. And I remember um, there was a car blacked out, backed in, and I went and knocked. Oh, super polite. I'm not an aggressive cop at all. I, I knocked on the window. I said, "Ma'am, you know, uh, do you have do you have driver? Do you do you live here?" And and then I I tell them, "You are not being detained right now." 
But tip, well, I told her because her car smells like weed because she was she was smoking. And I was like, and she got really upset with me. And I was explaining to her that this is how I find the person that breaks into cars is the ones that's backed in in a place they don't live. She proved that she lived there immediately. And I was like, all right, have a good day. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your uh, hemp cigarette, ma'am. <laughs> and and after be after explaining that to her, she right. was totally fine with it. She was like, oh, that's cool that you guys do that. Well, it's it's uh. I don't think it's, I don't think it's any surprise to people that it, it was the difference between the girl you're wrestling and that girl one complied and one didn't. And, and, you know, not to drag this out into, you know, a, a much bigger story of the, of the Trayvon Martins to the, to the, to the, to the Browns, to the um, George Floyd's. There's only one common denominator, in every single one of those. Re- resisting and not being compliant yeah you know, i know you can say oh, yeah and someone will yeah i'm sure someone will quick be on the comments and be like oh uh trayvon martin you know wasn't uh you know that wasn't with the cops that was that was with um you know uh, a, a civilian doing like neighborhood security um i don't i don't care any any adult that tells me to do something when i'm walking through a neighborhood that isn't my neighborhood i just say yes sir and uh I've, I've seen to go unscathed through life. I don't think it's coincidence. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's like you said, the, as soon as somebody complies, you know, there's, I think there's a difference. There's two different types of like apprehensions, right? There's the whole, um, the, the person knows they did wrong. They know it. And now they're trying to get out of going to the jail. So it's, they're not complying. And then there's the whole, Hey, what are you doing here? And you, you're totally like, whoa, I, you know, I live down there. Like, you know, in, right. in, in that case, should you flex what constitutional rights you think you might have at that time? Because a lot of people don't understand there's different ways to detain somebody and you don't have to fuck, you don't have to touch them. You can just tell them, Hey, you, you're not free to leave until I figure out who you are because of this. Um, you know, for instance, uh, the house just got broken into three blocks down. It's been an accept an, an acceptable amount of time to think that you're walking around with a backpack at three in the morning, you know, four minutes later. Um, it's, it's a, I can detain you and figure out who you are, at least identify, identify you. So I can rule you out or give your name, you know, so it's, but a well, lot of people, it's, it's hard because a lot of people don't know when they're actually detained. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, for whatever reason, I said, you know, I've, I've always, you know, complied. Nothing's ever bad happened to me. <clears throat> now I've I've had you know as as a as a as a uh, rambunctious teenager I've had more than my fair share of run-ins with the law and and one story just kind of came to mind so I had a '94 Z28 I was meeting my friends at Sunny's and I had parked where there's like in the like the kind of the back parking where no one parks their cars. And I did the uh, I did the the douchey teenager back in my car, but but take up two two parking spaces, um, but no one else was around there, you know. And uh, so I'm walking into um, to Sonny's, and I I had been I had been hit with driving on suspended license several times already in my my young adult life, and so I didn't need any more tickets. <laughs> and uh, I'm opening the door to Sonny's, and I I just happen to look over. And there's three cop cars in the turn lane waiting to turn into Sonny's to have lunch. 
I let the I let the uh, I let the door go and I start running towards my car because I want to repark my car like a normal person so I don't get a ticket for double parking. And as I'm running to my car, I get tackled out of nowhere by these cops. And I'm telling you, like, head pushed into the grass, arms, you know, uh, you know, behind my back, shoulder certain. I got three guys on top of me. And I'm just, I, I, I can't even believe, I don't even know what's happening. But I'm trying, <laughs> but I'm trying my best to comply. And uh, they, they pick me up. I got grass stains all in my shirt. Uh, I got dirt all over my face and they're like, why are you running? Why are you running? And it hit me. What they saw was a guy make eye contact with the police and run as fast as he could back to his car. And they thought that isn't right. And, and they're right. That looked, I'm sure suspicious as can be. <laughs> and when they were pulling me up, they're like, I was like, I just wanted to repark my car. It was double parked. And it was such a ridiculous answer. They wouldn't believe it. They're like, no, why are you running? Why are you running? I was like, my car is double parked and I don't want a ticket. They're like, no, be honest with us. If you're honest with us, we'll let you go. And so I, I give them, I give them my, my ID, like, you know, like, like they asked for, they ran everything. And at some point they're like, this idiot may be telling the truth. And they're like, is that really why you ran back to your car? I was like, yes, sir. That's 100% the reason. And they're and now they're trying to dust me off and get the hair get, oh, get yeah. the hair out of my hair. The, the and like, oh, man, we're, you're okay. Yeah. Oh, we're sorry about that. You, you cool? I'm like, no. I, and at this point, I'm just happy not to get a ticket, so I can care less. I'm like, no, we're good. I'm, can can I repark my car? And they're like, yeah, re, re, repark your car. Are you good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So, uh, you know, we we've all had run-ins with uh random run-ins with the cop, and uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't, um, you know that. There was there was nothing at, trying to say it in a better way. It happens to every race, every age. You know, you, you do something that looks shady, you will get the attention of the cops. The difference is how you interact with the cops. I've never interacted with them and not yes sir everything they've ever said to me. Yeah. And you know, it's like you were saying, you know, there's certain areas where you can, upon arrival of law enforcement, if you take flight. Like if you take off, that's probable cause to stop somebody to detain them because of the area that they're in, like a like a well known drug area. Right. If I pull up and someone takes off running, but I mean, <laughs> well, this was this was Sanford, Florida, so I'm pretty sure all of Sanford is is uh, is labeled that. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who knows who Sanford is knows we'll get that joke. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, there. I guess that is running is what's called active resistance, right? And we were talking about me and you and Tim were talking about is like there's different. So what used to be called a use of force matrix, uh, police around the country decided that was admin, decided that would sound bad. So now it's called a response to resistance, right? And so it's not use of force anymore. It's a response to resistance. So my response to one's resistance and then, it's this, and it changes every couple of years. Now there's like five steps. There's like, you know, uh, compliance and then pat passive resistance is what we were talking about. We're like, somebody's protesting, right? right? I'm yeah. not going to move. And you can only use certain things. You can't strike them, but you can, um, uh, I think I'm pretty sure I don't use pepper spray because everybody gets pepper sprayed and there's no point in using it. But, uh, I think you're allowed to pepper spray them, but, and then active is, 
when they take off running or they're like trying to get away from you. And then there's, um, right. there's I think it's like aggressive active or something where they're, where they're trying to hit you now. They've turned, they've, they've, they're fighting you. Um, then there's deadly. Now I, I see a lot of, uh, um, we'll say from, from police posts, uh, you know, when, when, when they post up something on, uh, on Instagram, usually, and, and, and they're a business too. So they're trying to, to, to prove a point. And I'm not saying that's, that's a bad thing, but by any means, uh, and some of what they, and some of these, uh, case cases that they're trying to prove ha have a very good point to it. And, uh, but what they'll, what they'll show is a lot of officers, uh, I think maybe being overly reliant and too quick to, uh, to go to taser rather than just, you know, using good technique to, to deal with a person. Yes. Do, do you agree with that? Do you think, yeah, you know, as a culture that, you know, that, that cops go to the overly rely on the laser, the, the taser or go with it too fast when they should have been able to deal with it with just hands-on. Yeah. I could go into that is all it, day. Or is the taser a really good tool and, and, and they should absolutely implement it as often as possible. Like what, what's your thoughts on that? My personal opinion about the taser is I never use it because there's too many rules, right? And there's, it's on you. So if I tase you and you fall and hit your head and die, they're going to say, well, you should have known that he was going to fall on that curb. Well, if you would have fallen in the grass, you'd have been fine. So there's all that. Plus, I think Axon is really uh, putting a foothold in police work to the point where if they if they aren't already, they will soon be calling shots in the government world because of how big of a player they are. Um, I don't. That's but that's another little conspiracy of mine. But anyways, but they do press push these tasers on these people. But I feel like as a as a generation, a lot of kids, I mean, Brent, the generation below us, which is good. I don't want my kids fighting, but these kids grow up into adults with never have been in a scrap. You know, I can guarantee you growing up in Sanford, you've. <laughs> I, this this may be controversial uh but it would be my my first time uh someone's gonna take this out of, someone's gonna take this out of context but that's so fine that, that's okay they can listen to the whole podcast and, and hear what i what i really meant i think one of the worst one of one of the worst things we did was really was go through this massive anti-bullying campaign i don't think bullies are, are are the worst thing don't get me wrong i'm not sitting here i'm not pro-bully but the fact that our kids cannot deal with a bully in school, which is where you should, is where you really you have to learn to deal with those type of people. So we've we've raised a whole generation of trying to cut out bullying to, to, to all degrees. And then when you get out of school, guess what? Bullies still exist. Yeah. They, you, we just kind of cut them out of the school system. Uh, and although we didn't really cut them out of the school system, they're 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 still there. But so they don't know how to deal with bullies at a, at a young age. Now they have to deal with bullies at, a, at an older age, but they've never had to confront one and either understand how to deescalate one or how to actually physically deal with one. And that's, I just, I, I think, again, you know, some people take this out of context, but bullies have created probably, you know, some of our most successful people. I, I, I assure you, I got bullied, you know, uh, when I was a small kid, I got bullied at school and I came home and I told my dad and I cried to him about it and said, you know, uh, Jeremiah beat me up at the bus stop at the bus stop. And my dad looked at me 
like I was bothering him in his day. And he goes, what do you want me to do, Brent? Do you want me to go beat up a kid? Is that what you want me to do? I was like, no, dad, I don't want you to beat up a kid. I just told you, I just want to tell you, I got beat up at the bus stop by a bully. He goes, well, go deal with it. That was all my dad said. And you know what I did? We played tackle football about three days later. He scores a touchdown and he he lays on the ground, do some ridiculous dance. And I mounted him and I punched him in the face about 17 times until someone pulled me off of him. Like a Christmas story. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn how to deal with a bully. And I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying that's 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 the that's the exact way everyone should deal with a bully. But I had to deal with bullies as as a kid. And and trust me, I went and dealt with a lot of bullies as an adult in special operations. And I was equipped to deal with bullies and bad people. You heard it here first, guys. Delta Force is pro bullying. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you could make a good uh, a good clip <laughs> teaser clip out of that. I mean, and, and but look what happens to the generation that doesn't have to deal with bullies. It's like it's just like you just it's you just said it. They get out of the school system, and then they're hit, and they go into the world with real life bullies. If you if somebody walks up, punches somebody in the face, and takes their cell phone and starts walking down the road, that's a bully. You're a cop. The call comes out. You look to the side. You see that guy walking down to the side of the road. And where we work, that is very that that's very prevalent. That happens all the time. You literally see the bad guy walking. And you're like, okay, am I going to bitch out and just keep eyes on him and let people, let him get away? Or I'm going to get out and I'm going to give my location. And then if you don't hear me on the radio, just get here faster. Right. Like, and these kids, they don't, I, I watch them and they, they'll, they'll put them at taser point forever. And then they're like, this guy's not going to tase me and they'll take off running and they'll try to tase them. But the tasers, especially when somebody's running from you, right? they're not yep. reliant. Yeah. And, and that, that goes into all assets or aspects of, of society. Look at all these people who just one or two young men will show up at a CVS or a Walgreens, put a thousand dollars of, of whatever they want and walk right out of a store. Yeah. And there's six adult males just sitting there watching it happen. Drives me up a wall. Deal those they're bullies. They're they're bullying, you know, the, the local Walgreens. And when that Walgreens shuts down because it keeps on getting hit, you'll blame you'll blame Walgreens. Yeah. Or you'll, you'll blame everyone else except for the community that I think should have came together and stopped it. I think everything can be dealt at a community level. I, I really do. Uh, right. But, yeah, everyone in the community thinks it's someone else's problem and someone else to deal with it. What do you think about those things where in like New York City and stuff where people aren't stopping property crimes like law enforcement, like it's not the cops, but it's, it's the laws that are coming out saying that we're not going to run code response to a bur or a, a, a shoplifting in progress. Right. It's a, but you know, a, a jewelry store getting smashed in and tens of thousands of dollars of jewels getting taken is more than just like stealing a candy bar from a grocery store. And they're doing it in the broad daylight in front of everybody and what's your thoughts on you just letting it happen because it's just property? So obviously my initial, you know, response to hearing things like that from, you know, San Francisco doing it, New York City doing it is immediately saying, you know, to myself, this is, this is, you're only, you're really only encouraging it. It's not going, it's not going to do what you think it does. 
But there is a part of me that's like, you know what? Let me sit back and wait and see exactly how this plays out. It's not what I would do, but let me see how this plays out. And it played out in every one of those cities exactly like we thought it would. Just like I said, when I was talking about Walgreens closing, that happened in San Francisco. And now you have a community that relies on these, you know, these, uh, you know, these small shops to be right around the corner to, to, to get supplies and goods. And it shuts down and big businesses are moving out of these areas because they can't make a profit. Um, that's, that's what you get. It'll end up driving businesses out of, of your community. And it's, yeah. and it's sad for the law abiding citizens that end up paying the price for your horrible, uh, city policies. And, um, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's upsetting to watch. Honestly, I, I can't believe this is where, where, where we're at. And the, the crappy part is, is that it's, people it, it comes at face value it's the police that aren't doing anything and it's not it's it's the it's the lawmakers it's the police admin it's the people that are being elected that's right and and the, and and, and there's a lot of times it's just kind of true in those communities they're the ones who need policing the most and they you know and then but they'll be the first ones to blame the police for for not doing anything and i feel like it really puts the police in a rock in a hard place because they do need to win the hearts and minds of their community and have the community behind them. But when you're not protecting the community from things like this, you know, the, the policies in place has really driven a wedge between the community and, and the police by not allow, by not letting them do their jobs, which goes back full circle to what, you know, to what I said earlier. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, some cities still do it, but, uh, it's been proven to work is a very, very aggressive campaign on crime. And it'll, they'll, they'll do it for like a month or maybe two weeks. Well, they'll just hit an area and they'll drive everybody committing crime out of that area. And what that does is it gives whatever's organically there a chance to start growing again, like a chance for people to kind of, take back their community, but they can't, I mean, I've seen it. People are like, I don't, I can't come out of my house because there's 12 people on the streets selling, trying to sell me drugs and threatening me, my kids, you know? So when you push all that out and you kind of give the community back their block, I mean, this does sound insane, but that's, it's true. You know, it doesn't sound insane at all. It sounds, I think most people un understand that. And, and that goes back to the, you know, the intersection of, of policing and special operations. What you just described was the surge in Iraq. We could not win the war in Iraq at the pace we were going. You have to make it to where crime doesn't pay. You have to deter crime, whether it's crime or terrorism. It, it, it's, it's, it's the same principle. And it wasn't until we released special operations and let them run amok and hit so many targets so fast, so often, that at some point the terrorists said, it's not worth being a terrorist because you will get caught. You will pay the price. Let's not do this. That is how we turn the tide in Iraq. And that's exactly how you turn the tide in a community. Like you have to, it is up to the police to ensure that crime doesn't pay. And as long as it's successful for them, why, why would they find an alternative to it? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you give, you give that community a, a sense of pride and you give them that leg up, like, Okay, we can, you know, I trust the I trust that these guys are here to kick the shit out of crime. 
And I want to work with these guys now, as opposed to we never call because you never come. And then I get, and then they right. see me calling. They know I called. And then it takes you guys 45 minutes, you know, and then my house gets shot up for snitching. Right. So you have to like prove it to them that, you know, that you can be relied on. Yeah. Right. Um, but that actually brings, that brings me to another point, which I really don't know how I feel about it. And the older I've gotten, I've kind of, I think I've gotten a little softer on, on this, on this subject. But um, you know, like, like I said, like when people commit crimes, you know, they, they, they have to pay for it, you know, or else you're encouraging it. What about high speed chases? If you just let someone get away and and once they know, hey, all they have to do is not stop for this police officer and and I can get away and crime continues to pay. However, when I see videos of, you know, guys running, you know, their car 90 miles an hour through a, a subdivision and then and that's that's an extreme case, but it can be well, you can take it to, you know, 100 miles an hour on the highway, even then when you do a pit maneuver. You know, I've I've seen it on videos where they, you know, they go through the grass medium, they end up on, you know, incoming traffic on the other side of the road. It gets what what's what's your thought about that? Well, I used to ride around with my dad in like two th early two thousands when I was in like eighth or ninth grade. And that's when, you know, there was no such thing as not pursuing. You pursued everything that ran from you. And uh, you know, cops, really good proactive cops back in the day. And if they're watching this, they'll know, they'll laugh. You'll, you get behind somebody and then you're like, okay, I'm going to pull this car over. Cause I bet you he runs and you'll fall back just enough to where they think they can get away. So, because a lot of people won't, if they, if you're right up on them, they're not going to run from you, but if they think they can get away and then you light them up, they take off. And then you just kind of like, you, this is going to, this actually sounds really bad and we don't do this anymore, but, but the, <laughs> you kind of initiate your own pursuit that wouldn't have been there. Right, been, right. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's a chess game. Making a little fun at work, but yeah. uh, you know, but I've always said this too, and I think it's exactly what you said. I think it's me getting older. You know, if if they're like, "Hey, your whole family was coming home from soccer practice; they're all dead," and it was a, right. a high speed chase that killed them, and it was over a property crime. You yeah. Know, I'm really divided on it. Like if you were to tell me, Hey, I think you should do, you know, high speed chases. You can't send that message. You know, bad people have to be caught and, you know, we just have to, you know, the, you know, the, you have to trust the police to, um, you know, to, to make the right decision of when to do it and when not, I would agree with that. But if you also made that, you know, that argument that you just made, it it doesn't matter what it is. In any time, you, you know, they're going to start running stoplights, running stop signs, potentially, you know, head on collision uh, through a pit maneuver on a minivan of a family just trying to come home from school. That's not worth it in, in almost, you know, yeah. any, you know, any scenario. I, and I don't I really I I usually have a, a I'm a pretty opinionated person. Yeah. I I. I I usually will, will, I'm quick to give my opinion and I'm adamant about my opinions, but I don't, I don't know the right answer on this. I, I, I really don't. Well, most departments only allow pursuits on forcible felonies, which is essentially violent felonies. Um, anything. So, I mean, you gotta think about it too. Like if it happens, the chances of you seeing that, let car leave the scene, it's a little bit more slim, but it's possible. It could call could come out. 
you could be driving to the call and it could be like, you know, black Dodge charger with murdered out rims and a sticker on the window. And you see that car go by. The problem is that you have to establish the charge actually happened. This happens all the time. Uh, uh, R A P E comes out. YouTube doesn't like that word, but we call it a, a, a sexual assault comes out, right? That's that's a for if if somebody was just sexually assaulted, that's a forcible felony. You can pursue for that. However, through the nine one one calls, sometimes it's like, well, no, I mean, he didn't actually do it. He was just like he he kissed me, and I didn't want him to. Like, <laughs> well, if you're behind that car and you're yeah. doing a a hundred and twenty, and they're running from you, you have a problem. Right. So. But even like when we're doing proactive stuff out on the road and cars run from us, which they do all the time. Right. Um, yeah, you just, I mean, motorcycles is a good one. I don't, I, almost every, you know, uh, Suzuki Jixer, you know, is, is not going to stop, uh, you know, for, for a cop pulling them over almost all of them, but yeah, and, it's so and, well known that a bike is that they're not going to pursue you and they can just get away with whoever they want. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, if, if you know I think the Florida Highway Patrol has authorization to 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 pursue anyone they want to. I think that's possible. I think they have tightened tightened it down a little bit, but you know you have to understand. You could have all the permission in the world, but it's still on you. So if you catch a a serial killer and you're chasing him, and you chase him into a, a daycare and he kills a bunch of people, it's on you because you were the one that is responsible for all this. So if the chain of commands like your green you green light pursuit it's still on you to terminate it if it gets too dangerous here's here's another and along that 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 thought process is again is is a little bit of the problem i have because i want to say always allow it push it down to an officer level to you know and let him make the decision but now it goes back to you know if it's a bad term but i'll use it because it's you know it 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 uh you know, it's a term from my past. It goes to the, you know, the the selection and training process that you guys kind of don't have. So, you know, so good cops will do that, but not every cop, you know, has gone through a rigorous, you know, selection and assessment and training to really allow them to have that kind of leeway all the way down to a patrol level. You, you have that variable too. So, well, I mean, it's like, Oh, you have, all I, don't want, I don't want to take that away from the good cops. So, you know, how do you, yeah. how do you solve that? I don't know. Because I mean, you it, have, the, you, you have the ability to take someone's rights away. You have the ability to kill somebody, but you don't have the ability to decide whether or not it's safe to pursue. And it, well, go ahead. Here, here's another, I'll, I'll probably mess up the, the exact details a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm watching a video of a guy that hijacked a bus and in, in New York and he's driving erratic. He decides he can't go any further. And he's like doing this crazy 30 point turn and back. And, you know, he could kill anyone on the street at any time. But I believe their rules were as long as it's moving, they cannot shoot and use lethal force on that driver as long as that bus is moving. So, you know, I, you know, that, that's a blanket, that's a blanket rule that, that they put out. And I don't agree with, with it because they, you know, he is, he has a, you know, uh, you know, he has a, a battering ram on wheels with tons of force behind it. And they absolutely should have been, and he clearly had no regard for the public safety 
they should have been able to make that call and say, yes, I understand why you wouldn't want me to do this, but this guy has to be stopped and be stopped now. But they yeah, didn't he, have the point to do it. He had he had people on the bus. I don't know if he had people on the bus, but I assure you, he was putting everyone in jeopardy uh, oh, yeah. around the way he was driving, the way he was turning around, and the way he was ramming cars. I, I watched something the other day. It was about a uh, hostage situation. A trucker had a woman hostage, and he was just he was going. Um, and it was the first time in in history that they used this. They had the city's best sniper set up shop as the truck's coming down the highway and he took an engine shot and uh, disabled it in the middle of the road. So that way nice. they were able to do yeah. negotiations, but yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. It's, it's not an easy answer. And that's, and, and I hate to say that because I actually think um, that's, that's what, that's another one of the, the, easiest thing for people to say who don't want to tackle hard, you know, hard problems to say, well, you know, it's a, it's a complicated answer. It's more, it's more complicated than that. You know, you got to think of the second, third order effects and they hide behind it's complicated when a lot of things aren't that complicated. You just, you know, people, I, I think really just hide behind that when they can't solve a problem. I think the answer is give policing back to police, let the police police their own, let the police recruit their own. And then, let the recruited policemen make the decisions on their own, because at that point you'll be getting the candidates that you talk about. If we're allowed to, if we're allowed to do what we need to do. I mean, there's, there's agencies around here that don't have a panel review anymore. You get hired as a cop and you don't even have to sit across the table to go work at the grocery store or McDonald's. You have to have an interview, but not, not to be a cop. That's that's crazy, and 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 for, and for the reasons you just said, you can you can mess up a hamburger order. It's not a big deal, but you mess up <laughs> someone's freedoms. You know, you mess up their freedoms, you mess up their life, you mess up their criminal record. There's man, the the stakes are so much higher. How how can we not do that? How can we not take that more serious? I mean, I think that's the answer. Is uh, the pendulum's got to swing back to uh, yeah, law and, enforcement. And I agree with you. At the end of the day, you know, I I just made you know two points that I kind of struggle with, but at the end of the day, I, the right answer is to, you know, push it down to the lowest levels. Trust, trust your, trust your officers and trust their on the ground judgment. I, I do think that's at the end of the day. I don't think, I know that's, that is the right answer. Did, did you, um, after you got, did you have an appreciation for, uh, first responders as much as you do now when your whole life and when you were in the military or was there a, was there a point where you kind of like where you thought about it and you're like, holy shit, these guys need more support? I'll tell you exactly the moment when I uh, had a lot of respect for first responders. Well, I can back it up and go, I always have because my dad told me you had to. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know that the, I didn't. I, I just told you that, you know, I always said yes, sir. You know, no, sir, to a police officer. That necessarily wasn't out of my, um, you know, like, out of, like a judgment call that I that I made for myself. That was something my dad told me that I <laughs> that I had to do my whole life, and that is how you will treat police officers. So I didn't know it, it, any other way to treat them. But it wasn't until I did a ride along with my cousin Mike Shrum, uh, who was a, a he just retired, who was who was a police officer in, in, in several places. I did a ride along with him. He pulls over a guy 
And this guy's just dressing him up and down, yelling at him, cussing at him. He comes back to the car and I'm like, you going to arrest him? He goes, he looked at me all crazy. Like for, for what? He's like, he can't talk to you like that. <laughs> it's like, what? you're like, I get talked to you like that every night. I'm like, what people, you're a cop. People talk to you like that. He goes, yeah. And that was the beginning. And the rest of that night, any other time I did a ride along with him, I saw the things he did. I thought I saw the things he, he, he put up with. Um, it immediately, uh, I was always a, uh, a big fan of, of both of my law enforcement cousins, Mike Shrum and Chuck Shrum, great dudes and getting to watch them firsthand do their job really opened up. I was, I, I was naive. I was naive uh, up, up into that point. And I was like, man, this is what these guys have to deal with. I, I don't know how they do it and, and keep their composure, you know, day in and day out. That's where it came from. Were you in the military when you were doing ride-alongs? Or was that before your military career? I, no, I think I was in the Q, if, if I it was a long time ago. I'm uh I think I was in the Q course uh when when I came home and, and did a ride along with them. So I was I was in the military, and I think I'd just begun my my green you know the very beginning of my of my Green Beret career. You know we've been doing this a long time. I've never well not a long time that's all subjective. But has anybody asked you about any run-ins with the law or funny police stories? <laughs> in your adult life well i just told one where i just double parked my car and i got i got tackled <laughs> to the ground by three or four officers and they ended up brushing me off and and i then and at the end of that story is i go to lunch and i, and I meet my buddy and uh and again i have grass stains and dirt all on me and he's like what happened to you like what what have you been doing did you come up from a pickup football game and i was like uh kind of i just got tackled by the police outside um, that's, that's probably, you know, right off the, right off the top of my head, probably the, one of the funnier police run-ins I, uh, I've had. You got to build your street cred. That's that, uh, <laughs> Brent's out there fighting with the police. 